Welcome to the Strong Towers Podcast, a podcast with one simple vision, build up, become strong. Welcome back to another Strong Towers Podcast. This is John Ackerman. I'm here as always with Tom Edwards and Mike Lara, and we're joined today by our friend Brian Bales as well. Hey, and I get to be your friend today. That's kind of cool. I'll take that. <laughs> Just today. Don't get too excited. All right, I won't. We're going to continue this conversation that we've been running for the last couple of weeks on masculine friendship. So if you've been tracking with us, I think we hope to offer some helpful solutions. And really, we've just been identifying problems over the last couple of weeks. And to sum it all up simply, it's, it's hard. It yeah. seems to be yeah. really challenging for guys to find the kind of the deep, meaningful friendship that they're after. And so usually we settle for the partial. Uh, we settle for the, the hangout over beer. We settle for the whatever old man basketball league we can find that the body tolerates and the schedule allows. And, and yet there's a, there's a craving for more. There's a, there's a desire for that, that diner counter friend that you've known for 30 years and you've got stories that go back for miles. So we've mostly been sitting here trying to figure out how did we end up here as three, now four people Mm. that all like each other, enjoy spending time with each other. And have committed to some of these miles together. Yeah. And so maybe today we're going to head more in the direction of how have we overcome some of these challenges that we've identified in the last couple of weeks. But we're probably just going to also identify a few more challenges because they are myriad. So first of all, Brian, thanks for being here with us. Oh, yeah, man, yeah, thanks. thanks. Yeah, thanks, Brian. Yeah, and you know, and just by the way, congratulations on just admitting that it's hard. Sure. Because men like to admit certain things are hard. Like, I did the Tough mutter. That was hard. Sure. Right. Or I did the Spartan race. That was hard. Or I touched my toes for the first time in six months. That was hard. All right. But we don't in generally like to say, well, I've developed a good male relationship friend. That was hard. Uh, By definition, it isn't something that we want to lead with. What's one of the hardest things you've done in the last year? But nevertheless, it is probably maybe not for everybody, but it's probably as equally as hard to develop those relationships, maybe even harder because of the long term it commits to instead of getting in shape for. I don't know, six months, however long it takes most of you guys who do all the stuff that I don't do to do the tough <laughs> or whatever it might be. So congratulations on that. Just admitting it's the first step, right? Thanks. Yeah. Well, it, it doesn't seem like it should be something that's hard, right? But um, it's almost like having to change our definition of what it is that we're looking for, mm-hmm. you know, and, and uh, to really find the type of friendship that we've been talking about Um is, is peeling back the layers in a way that we don't often do in our everyday, right? Yeah, well, I think you make a good point, which says it doesn't seem like it's going to be hard. And I think probably because most of the time we really don't define it really well, mm. right? If you say, hey, what is a good friendship? Everybody's definition kind of moves around a little bit. Absolutely. Right, right. I mean, for some of us, a good friendship is someone that will go to the gym with us and lift. And there's some good parts to that. Others of us, a good friendship is the person when you walk into Starbucks, they already know what you want. They have it waiting for you, right? (laughs) Yeah. Everybody's got a little bit different definition of it. But I think for the purpose of what we're talking about is we're talking about, you know, what would the Bible have to say or what would Jesus have to say about what a a good, intimate sort of friendship actually is versus – I guess um, you guys have like when you were kids, you ever get generic cereal? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Right, yeah. That stuff is awful. Like I remember one time. <laughs> the like, bottom shelf plastic yeah, bag. Yeah, 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 like, exactly. okay, I don't know if you ever had kicks as a kid. Kicks by itself was nasty cereal. Yeah. My mom bought like generic kicks one time <laughs> and it was horrible. Right. Uh, because someone tried to pawn that off as the real thing. 
and it may last for a while, but obviously it's not here. And I think that's what happens a lot of times in, in male relationships. It's, it's boxed similarly, yep. right. but it's not real in yeah. the, in the standpoint that we're, we may be able to eat it once or twice, but sustaining that it, it's really not going to be lucky charms or whatever you, I was kind of a, I knew that it was in for a good day that like mom or dad had made some extra money when I got cocoa pebbles instead nice. of like, yeah, that I knew it was good, but that has nothing to do with the podcast. I don't think, <laughs> I think uh, there's relevancy there. Yes. There and is. I really liked kicks right. too. I'm just going to, did you like be kicks? transparent? Oh, yeah. well, that's good. I'm not a big fan of that. Maybe yeah. it's a whole nother podcast about what was the cereal of your youth and how to bond over that. But that's a whole series, my friend. That is, uh, <laughs> but I think, you know, you guys have been asking some pretty good questions. I think about, you know, relationships and, what does it mean to have like this, this close relationship? And there's three of you guys, yeah, right? So, right. I mean, let's just talk Bible wise. Uh, when Jesus had close relationships, he had 12 guys he rolled with all the time. But even in those 12, there was three. Yep. Uh, and it makes me feel better. Like when I look at the three that like they were kind of knuckleheads in some ways. <laughs> yeah, right. So it isn't even have to be perfect, but, but he, he chose three. And I think one of the challenges, and you guys can talk about this, but I know it's certain in my life, is even getting into our idea of like volume of people mm. that we could really have. It doesn't mean other people aren't important. It just means if we're really going to have these sort of relationships where um, there are people in our life who knows when we're putting up the fake scene mm -hmm. or call us on our crap. Am I allowed to say crap sure. on this? Because I said crap like three times crap. Anyway, four. <laughs> uh, on, we're putting this up. We're putting it up in front of people. They know it, right? Yeah. Um, th that takes some close sort of stuff, right? And I think, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you can't have, I don't think you can have more than maybe five or six personally. Yeah. Well, and I think this touches on something that we'll, we'll get into a little bit later too, but just from the standpoint of the output to have these kind of relationships Right. And, and the input that that is hopefully going to be reciprocated. Mm -hmm. I just don't I don't think you can handle the volume that would be coming at you if you were going to say these are my 12 closest friends, much less the nonsense of like one of your best buddies is Peter. Oh, mm. okay. You're always yeah, picking on a, Peter, man. My, pick, I'm a Peter guy. I, I did that, that sounded <laughs> weird, but you know what I'm saying. Right? Yeah, yeah. I like Peter. He's, he's right. one of my favorites. Yeah. I do. I'm like ready, fire, aim a lot of times. I think what Peter is. <laughs> so, but okay. Well, well, let me ask this question then. I mean, as we're processing this out loud, I, I'm thinking to myself, we think of many close relationships. Don't I think sometimes the challenge is even trying to figure out who you can have a close relationship right. with? Mm -hmm. And that's a level of investment. I don't even have all the time. I mean, like, I meet people and I see, oh, that person's super nice. I'd really like to get to know him to see if they could be in my circle. Right. But when am I going to find time to do the amount of just investment to discover? Time? Right. Right. That's outside of just actually maintaining those relationships. Yeah. So do you guys have that sort of time? I mean, I, I know your lives are kind of crazy. I, I don't have that sort of time. <laughs> see, and I think that's why when we talked about it earlier about having these different types of, of friends, right? What we consider close friends, what we consider just people we know, right? right? And I think that's the hardest thing that I find. And, you know, most times I consider myself being the extrovert. So I find myself being very easy to talk to people, right? Just being able to just go out to people, reach out to them and talk to them. It's those close relationships that require actual work mm -hmm. that I get a little squirmish about. Like even hearing the word intimate and close and the work, I'm, I'm moving around in my chair right now thinking that's, that's like <laughs> some work, right? That's like actual, like not just Hey, what did you do today? Kind of conversations. Did you see Duke win by that game last the other day? That kind of conversations barely. I can go. Oh yeah, barely all day with. But it's those deeper relationships, those deeper conversations that I find I have a difficult time with. So, like as an extrovert, does that take a level of intentionality for? And I'm an introvert by yeah. nature. 
Uh, and lots of times when people get to know me, they're surprised I'm an introvert by nature. Does that take a level of intentionality? Like, oh, I got to think about this to make sure that the whole of my conversation isn't about, I mean, let's, yeah. if we get around guys, yeah. right? especially if they're not married, we could spend hours of time talking about females mm-hmm. in sports right, yeah. or hobbies, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and never get any farther than that. And those aren't necessarily bad conversations unless you're married and you're talking about someone else's female. Then that's <laughs> a different conversation, right? Sure. If you're married, your yeah. wives and all of that. But, I mean, it doesn't take a lot of effort to do that. Do you feel like as an extrovert it takes more of an effort to get past the easy part of the conversation into the stuff that makes you more vulnerable? I think so. I think I think for me being the extrovert, it is easy for me to get into those easy conversations. And then once I go beyond that, I think it does take a lot of work for me to actually do that. And I realize, I don't know if you can be both extrovert and introvert, but I yeah. feel like when I do go into those deeper conversations, that it does take a lot more energy for me. I find myself being very hesitant on what I have to say. And then not only that, but also reviewing stuff that I said. Like, oh. man, why, why did I say that? <laughs> you, ever find, you ever find yourself like while you're talking, yeah. you're reviewing what you yeah. just said, you're like, that sounded it's so not cool. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Or what are they thinking about me now that I've said that? That old man, now they know the real me or now yeah. they now they have a different uh, idea of who I am, right? So mm-hmm. so you don't find yourself then jumping to share everything? No. No. No, not at all. Like I was just thinking about like I can define and pick out the people that I I share more stuff with, right? Yep, yep. Like I think John and I on our drive over here must have shared like, you know, 30 different topics in a conversation that I probably don't even share with the guy I've known since 2002 I was in the army with, yep. right? I mean, yep. the, I we had, I don't know, like five or six different topics of conversation yep. on our way over here on just stuff that I just had to offload. And that's not something I normally do. Yep. But I have that relationship with John that I can just say, hey man, I need to get this off my chest real quick. Yeah, yeah. And I think that it's been... I don't know what two years now that yeah. it's taken me to get to that point where I can just have these conversations. Well, and I love the contrast too that you're bringing up because we promised more challenges to overcome as you're trying to find these things. And and I mean, we're sitting at a table with three introverts and one lone extrovert, <laughs> right? And so I think the three of us would probably look at you, Mike, and go like, "Man, I wish I just had that conversational ease and that energy mm-hmm. to just go and pursue people." And so to hear you say, and you've talked about this, so I want to hear the hamster ball example, yes, at some point because I just I love that imagery. Yeah, because right now he's in a hamster ball in my head, and there's an imagery I got to get out. I, I got to know exactly yeah. where going with that. So we're going to create a little tension there. But to to hear you talk about as an extrovert, right? When we start getting into some of those deeper waters, that you're like, nah, nah, yeah. nah, nah, because <laughs> that's where I naturally want to go, right? At all times, and so I find myself often frustrated by the extroverts that just seem to want to like you know talk and talk and circle and circle and circle and circle. I'm like, can we please just do something meaningful or I'm going to go home and, yeah. you know, but that's interesting bed. though, because I'm also an introvert and I have a fear of the oversharer. True. Right. I have a fear of the extrovert overshare that's never met like someone they couldn't tell themselves about. You meet oh, them yeah. in three seconds yep. into the conversation. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. They're telling you about all their stuff. Yeah. And for me as an introvert, that is so overwhelming. Yeah. And I, because as an introvert, one of the problems I have is I think I'm supposed to solve your problem. Mm, and so when yep. you start telling me yeah. your problems, I, yeah. I want to hear about your life, but I want on pace. Right. Yeah. I, I, I want on that pace. And I feel like I need to have a level of trust. Not that I wouldn't want to hear from you, but if we got and we went to lunch. Right. And you started like five minutes into the conversation going into, hey, man, and start going into all your stuff. Not that I wouldn't want to know it, but there would be a level there that it would kind of frighten me a little bit. So. My brother-in-law is an extrovert of extroverts, mm, and yes. and we've had this conversation. He actually does find it easier to share everything to people he doesn't know because there's a level of protection there of, you don't know me. I'm not going to see you again. 
I don't care if I tell you that, you know, such and such is, is crap in my life right now, but it's still hard to share that in in close personal relationship mm-hmm. with people that are going to see you, that are going to know how you're doing, know what your story is. And so that was a really eye-opening conversation to me because I would have thought as an introvert as well that that he and I were on totally opposite ends of the spectrum in that way. And to hear him say that it's just, it's hard and he doesn't enjoy doing that. So uh, if I'm following you right, that's his coping mechanism. He copes by talking out loud in a place that doesn't matter because it has no impact. Right. And maybe some of us who are more introvert, we just don't talk at all. Right. Right. But neither one of us are really getting at the stuff that we really need to get at. Right. In order to have the relationships that we need to have. Yeah. And it's not even that we don't talk at all. Right. We were talking before we press play here that the three introverts at the table actually have extroverted careers. Right, that, that we actually are up and, and John and I as teachers, well, former teacher and, and John's current teacher, standing up all day talking to people, but that's not sharing ourselves necessarily mm. Mm. Um, with them. And you're kind of in the same boat, right? Yeah. Last time I checked, I <laughs> that tension for a little bit. Yeah. Are, are we getting the Mike's hamster ball? I mean, the, the vision in my head is there. What What is that? What's the deal? Okay, so yeah, so I've, I've told this to John and Tom, but when I think about extroverts and, and introverts, I have this picture that I like to point out of, of the hamster ball, and I like to consider myself that, that kindergarten kid, the extrovert, trying to reach into the hamster ball to get the hamster out to play, and he's just sitting there in the hamster ball just trying to like back away to the back of the ball as much as he can, and that's what I think of an introvert, right? Introvert being in the hamster ball, being the hamster, me being the extrovert, just say, hey, come out and play with me. Come out and have this conversation with me. Be a part of my team. Let me let me play with you and, and hang out. And I'm um, sitting there going, I will bite you. Yes, yes, yes. Back away, <laughs> back away. But, I, and again, I, I'm going back to this deeper relationships and stuff like that. I want to hang out and talk, but I don't want to go deep. Right. right. For me, I don't want to talk about real problems. Yeah. I just want to talk about the basketball game. I want to talk about, you know, maybe some stuff that happened at work that were really cool or maybe, you know, something I read on Twitter. But I, I have a hard time going into these deeper conversations. And I think what I've realized in the last 12 months is that as I've gone into these deeper conversations, it has made it so much easier for me to figure out things, mm-hmm. to have these conversations with people. And I'm, I'm not always asking for the answers, right? Just being able to speak out loud yep. and, and have the ability just to kind of get stuff off my chest has made just life so much easier for me. And I don't know if how you guys being introverts, like when you guys say stuff like I have a harder time sharing these things. Do you guys feel that same kind of like vibe after after having these conversations? Yeah, I, you know, I think some of what makes it hard if we're talking about these personal relationships is as an introvert, we exist in, in pretty much an extrovert's world. And so by the end of the day, the end of the week, I've used up my words. Right. You know, and so then to invest in in friendships now is taking work right on top of, you know, what I've already spent so to speak during the rest of the day or the week and so there is that effort of or or maybe decisions a better word of is is this going to be worth my investment mm. to to then share more deeply obviously right. than I've been sharing all week but is it is it going to be worth the effort to me worth the investment to actually go there with somebody and and I think like you said there's there is a lot of value in sometimes just being able to get something out and verbally process in a safe space. Right. You know, with, with somebody just sitting across the table from me that doesn't need to say anything, but that I know they're listening and 
they're not going to judge me. They're not going to walk away. Um, so is it selfish as me as the extrovert there, as I'm saying this out loud, thinking to myself like, wow, it feels so good just to get this off my chest. But then Brian <laughs> just said a, t- a couple minutes ago that, hey, now I want to solve all your problems that you just laid out on the table. I guess how does that work as far as from, from the relationship stance? Does that put more pressure on, I guess, you introverts that I've just laid out this all on the table? Or how does that work? I think we both have our issues. Right. Mm, right. Yep. We, we well, both yes. have our issues. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so it's not – and I think one of the issues is feeling responsible for the other person. Right. Right. And when you find, I think, people who can walk in your circle and be well – you you want to be a part of their issues. You want to be that, but you don't feel like you own them, mm-hmm. right? Because a true friend doesn't take the, it bears, Galatians talked about bearing one another's burdens. Right. It doesn't mean I take your burden. It means I walk with you. Right? Yeah. And so I, yeah. I think there's some tension in there. And, and Tommy, you, you mentioned the term investment, right? So there's this term yep. ROI, return on investment. Yep. And I think one of the challenges is in this is that with relationships, especially in male relationships, the return on investment isn't quick. Not usually. Yeah. Right? right? I mean, you guys can think about yourselves, just even the return on your relational investments. How long did it take to get there? And in most other places in our life, we are way too impatient to be willing to wait that long. Yep. yep. And so, you know, when I'm thinking, for example, I have the same thing, Tom. You know, when someone's inviting me out of my hamster ball. And I really, and my hamster ball looks not a, pulling you out of the hamster. No, ball. My, my hamster ball, I have to tell you, my hamster ball looks a lot like my couch at home, right? I'm just saying that that's what I'm visiting. So when someone's inviting me to come out and play, right, and whatever it is, I really have to tell myself whether or not this moment is going to make me walk away feeling like this is the greatest thing ever, right? Yeah. There's there's something that comes over time that could be because you mentioned your brother-in-law hyper extrovert. He's he's mm-hmm. by the way on my all extrovert team. I have one. I can give you the <laughs> nice. names of them if nice. you want. Your brother-in-law's on that team. Yep. Uh, my wife is on that team, the all extrovert team, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. And she is so excited for me when I go out and do something. She's more excited than I'm excited about it, right? And she she's loving this podcast right she, now, isn't she? She probably <laughs> is. But it, so I'll come back from doing something. And she'll be like, what'd you do? What'd you say? What'd you say? Did you have a good time? Did you have all that? I'm not making fun of my wife, but she is so invested in this. I'm like, eh, right. it was okay. Right. And she's like, but you spent, I'm like, eh, it's not how it works with us. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. but I, I think really getting that sort of mindset to where if we're going to think investment, when we're talking with male relationships, good male relationships, we have to think long-term. Yeah, we definitely. We have to think. There's going to be times where, especially as an introvert, so I'm speaking to us as introverts, we're like, I don't see exactly what that is, and it makes me uncomfortable. I may not see it now, but worth later on, mm-hmm. you know. And then as an extrovert, you know, they just they made me go beyond the Duke score, or they made me go on, you know, my workout or whatever I'm doing at work, and they 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 drew me into their you know deeper level, and I and I left like going, ah, it's worth it, right, right? long term. And I think that's you know at least something that I've learned because. You know, I said to get to in a second, you know, yeah. when you, Tom said, well, I kind of in, in a public, how did you say that? What, what did you say? I, don't, you, I, I don't know. Something about you, you talk a lot. <laughs> <laughs> that has many connotations. Um, yeah. So, um, you know, I'm a pastor. That's what I, I do for a living. I pastor Christian Fellowship Church in Ashburn. That's where I met all of you guys. And uh, in fact, when I meet people out and about that, I never lead with that. Yeah. Right. So the natural extrovert question, or even for us introverts, you're not really well. When we meet a new guy, like what's in the top three questions we ask, right? You ask, you know, where do you live? What do you do for work? What do you do do for work? work, Right. 
that is a quick conversational killer when it comes to me, right? <laughs> it really is. So I, I'm not ashamed of what I do, but I generally tell people this. I said, you know, I realize a lot of people in life are looking for purpose and I help them find that. That changes the conversation a little bit. Yep. Yeah. Right? Now, if they're an extrovert and they go, well, what about the Duke game? We know we're going in that direction. <laughs> but for me, being a pastor, it, it, um, I think it comes with some unique challenges. I think every job does. And so, you know, you asked me, I'm looking at this list of things. You said, hey, each guy, whatever they do, whatever the situation, it can be really easy to become isolated. Yeah. Right? And every time we become isolated, there's a list of reasons that we give for that isolation. Mm -hmm. Now, they're not mm -hmm. excuses. They're reasons. Yeah. Uh, and some of us have a little bit more legitimate reasons maybe than others, but it shouldn't keep us from doing that. And, you know, for me part of real male friendships means number one, someone who actually knows me intimately and to know me intimately, it means they know my stuff that I feel very uncomfortable talking about, but I need to talk about, right? mm -hmm. especially because I'm like, I know people in their head like to think that their pastor is this normal everyday person that struggles. Right. But usually what they like to think in their head is their pastor is this normal everyday person that used to struggle. Right. Yeah. Right. right. And there's a difference there because we accidentally as human beings, we, we move our role model from Jesus, who is the only perfect role model to people we can see. Wow. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And a, and a pastor is a natural person to do that. Uh, I, I don't I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, but if someone's looking for me to be Jesus, they will always be sort of disappointed. <laughs> I will always let them down. And and so finding those people who are comfortable with, okay, this struggle wasn't something that I struggled with, but it's something that I struggle with, mm, yeah. right? right? Or if I said struggled with, it meant yesterday, not six years ago. Right. 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 And that's hard because there's a whole lot of people who don't don't really want that. And so it's a little bit harder. Right? Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and trying to go out then as an introvert on top of it, the energy it takes to dig through, to find those people. <laughs> right. It's exhausting. Right. right. Yeah. And I don't, I'm not, that sounds so prideful on my part. I don't mean that, but I'm just like, I feel like it's just harder to find that sometimes because I've got to, like, I've said this to, I know uh, to men's group that both of you guys have been at some point or another. I know really quickly whether or not someone can be my in my inner circle or not. Mm -hmm. I, yep. I'll take the back. I know really quickly if they can't be in my inner circle. <laughs> I may not know really quickly they can, right. but I know really quick they can't. Like, if I go to any of your guys' house, right, that's your house, right? That's your family. And you invite me to dinner with Kathy, my wife, who's really excited about my extrovert story or whatever, <laughs> you know, and you invite me, and I walk in, and we're sitting at your dinner table, and you turn to me, and you ask me to pray, you can't be in my circle. Right. Yep. You can't. If we begin to talk and when I meet someone else with you and you introduce me first as your pastor yep. or with the name Pastor Brian and not my friend Brian, I know yep. that it doesn't mean maybe you can't be in the 12, but you yep. can't be Peter, James, and John. Right. Yep. right. Because there's still something in you. Not bad, by the way. It's not a bad thing whatsoever. There's still something in you that, that sort of... Um, tensions there but john maybe it's this way to you if you ever met uh you've been teaching for a good long time so you have students probably now they're in their 30s oh yeah right they still have you ever met someone still have a hard time calling you john instead of mr ackerman absolutely <laughs> right yeah. right and and they're 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 seven eight years away from you not even that long you know four or four right but they can't call you john they call you, and, and by definition you know that would be something no matter how great of a person this was no matter how mature they are they couldn't be in your circle 
Yeah. yeah. And, and I think one of the things that we're hitting on here is, you know, we've looked at all these different potential obstacles and sort of barriers to entry. And, you know, I never saw it modeled. I struggle to emote. I'm too introverted, too extroverted, whatever. And one of the things we really wanted to touch on, especially with our friend Brian here in the room, is that it seems like sometimes our profession is a barrier to entry. And, you know, certainly from a pastoral standpoint, people have this expectation either that you've got all your stuff together to the point that they can be jacked up and you can solve their problems. You have the direct line to God, whatever. But that's also not the only profession that has that, right? You know, as a teacher, if I'm hanging out with people that are four years younger than me, but that I taught, and I've done that, by the way, just a couple months ago, I got together with a kid who's now, what, 32, 33, and we went out, got a drink. And he had the hardest time calling me John. I mean, he was a cool guy. And I kept thinking, like, this could be a great friendship. Yep. But there's a gap here. And, you know, if it's business travel, you're just on the road all the time. It's hard to have that consistency. Being this close to D.C., we got people in the intelligence community that will literally have to kill you if they talk to you about <laughs> yeah. their work. Yeah. And, and Their so first question should be security clearance or not. Right. No yeah. right. 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 It's their exclusion test. Yeah. Yeah, you know? And so, Brian, like you said, on the one hand, we've all got our stuff that we allow to get in the way of. But at the same time, there are legitimate hurdles for us to overcome. And, you know, this phrase that I've heard you use a lot of, you know, an eye level friend, like mm. somebody that can see things from where I sit can be both incredibly necessary. And at the same time, I think there are times that we use that as an obstacle and as a barrier because there are some people that just simply can't have our perspective that we could still have real friendships with. And so we need that ability to relate. Mm hmm. And we need that ability to not have to have everyone be professionally or emotionally or whatever the case on our level. And so how do we deal with that? John, I think when we talk about eye level friends, um, and yeah, I've used that term a lot. It's actually not original with me. Another one of my eye level friends gave me the eye level friend term, and I liked it because <laughs> it was it was a whole lot more down to earth. Because the way I would say it was from the Bible. Paul had his Barnabas, right? Right. And that they were sort of equals. And then he had Timothy's. Right. So if we're taking from a spiritual standpoint, we're all going to need to have Timothy's in our life. And by the way, just as a side note, as part of our friendships, we need to all have spiritual Paul's in our life. Right. I'm a pastor, right. but I got spiritual Paul's in my life. I'm a Timothy to, to this person. And but we're really talking, I think, much about this Barnabas idea right now, at least exclusively. We could probably talk about the other stuff at another time. But using the term I level friends, I think that. My tendency would always be to assume that an eye-level friend is someone who's wired like me. I said a moment ago that I can tell real quickly when you're not going to be in there. Right. But that has nothing to do about whether or not you're wired like me. It's how you look at me. Right. Right. One of my best eye-level friends, I, I probably say uh, our joke is we call them 99% friends. So we call them 99% friends is it means there's there's probably only 1% of things in the world we couldn't ask them to do. Mm. We don't know what that is, but since we're not physically brothers, that's probably there's probably 1%, right? That means you can call me at midnight, I'll be there and I have been there and they've been there for me, you know, uh, I remember just a couple years ago getting up and driving six and a half hours for one of these friends because I've known wow. them since college. And this particular friend is part of uh, two friends, uh, so there's about three of us that I, I I deeply cherish their friendship. They I've known them since uh, college, and for me that's a lot longer than I'd like to admit. <laughs> uh, so, uh, which means that I've known them for 29 years. When I met them in 1990, the the one friend is much more like me, 
in our wiring. The other one is he is exactly the opposite of me, but he's a whole lot like my wife. Mm. And what I've learned from this friendship is I actually knew him before I, I, I knew my wife. We've been friends longer than I've been married and knew my wife. But from him, he challenges me in ways that I won't receive from my wife. Mm-hmm. I, I admit that probably wrongly, uh, but let's just be truthful. There are some things that other men can say in our life that's the exact same thing our spouse would say to us, but we're not going to receive it the same way. Right. Wow. Uh, yeah. You know, and he can't because he's wired like her. He's that way. So I, I think when we're looking for eye level friendships, I don't think that we should be looking for people who by nature are wired like we are. I think we should by nature be looking for people who are wanting to go where we want to go. Wow. Yeah. Right? yeah. Sometimes we know that sometimes we don't. These friends of mine that I've had for 30 years, I don't think when I was 19, you know, or whatever, I could have identified, oh, we all want to go the same place. But if we're now on this journey, right, and we find ourselves in our 20s or our 30s or in my case in our 40s, and we're looking for that, I think that's key. Where are they wanting to go, right? And as you go along that journey, there may be some that go, okay, they're, they're not going to be part of the 12, right? Jesus had a lot more than 12, but he had yeah. 12. They're not. That doesn't make them bad people. They're not at all, yeah. right? They're just not your 12. And then as you go on the journey, they may be part of your 12, but of the 12, they're part of your three, if that makes sense. And that means there are people in your three or whatever your five looks like. And I'm just going to be pretty honest. I'm not sure you could be ever much more than five or six. Yep. That's just my capacity. And maybe <laughs> someone else has more. Uh, I can't make a biblical case for it, but uh, Jesus went down to three from 12. So, I, you know, always try to bring that in. But finding them should be, are they wanting to go where you want to go? Right. right. Especially when we're talking about eye level friends and you get on that, you get on that journey together, but don't, don't automatically assume because they're not wired like me mm-hmm. that I shouldn't be that. So one of the questions that I try to ask is simply this is God, have you brought this person to my life? Number one. Right. And if God says, yes, you brought the person alive, God, okay, let's, let's walk on this journey together. And then secondly, then, okay, what is it about this aspect in this other man you brought in my life that brings more about you clear to me that I won't have on my own. Mm -hmm. And both of those two close friends from college, they both do that. Right. I've got probably two other close friends since college. So they're, they're hard to find when I say super intimate, I've got, I've got more, but I mean, people who know every stinking thing about me, they could pull up every concern, every, they know all of it. Right. And they don't ever think of me as pastor Brian. They just, they, they may think of me as another adjective before Brian. (laughs) I I think those are key. When you go about finding them, don't, don't get locked in to this idea that they have to look like me. In fact, I would fight that a lot because I think sometimes that's our cop out. Right. Yeah. Right. Let's find another extrovert or let's find another introvert. Um, and it doesn't mean that that won't be more natural, but it may not be the type of growth that I think we need as men to be the type of people that are strong towers, right? Exactly. And, you know, I, th- I think it doesn't challenge us if we are just always finding the people that are like us. If you just, Mike, surround yourself with extroverts, then mm-hmm. it's going to be real easy to keep it at that let's go out and do something, have a couple beers, watch a game kind of level. John and I, you know, we started our friendship. We, definitely made some connections over things that we wanted to do. But as two introverts, we could have been like, hey, let's just, you know, every Friday meet up and watch movies at each other's house. And or, not talk. And not talk. Right. Because you it's know? the end of a teaching week. The last <laughs> yeah. thing I want to do is <laughs> talk on Friday, yeah. You know, and so 
I think it's it's easy when we find people that are wired like us to just fall back on our own shortcomings that we already have because they're probably in a similar boat. And so intentionally reaching out for those people that are not wired like us and may initially be off-putting to us in some ways is going to challenge us and make us more well-rounded. And, and I really like the point you brought in about you understand your wife better because of this friend that's wired like her. She's so excited about this podcast right now. <laughs> <laughs> Kathy, you were right. Yeah, yeah. You said that publicly. I agree with you, though. <laughs> no, and I really do like the way you pointed that out because as, as you're saying that, I, I remember hearing this a long time ago, and I'm, I'm not sure how you know how much truth is in it, but I heard this thing a long time ago saying you are a sum of like the five people you hang out with most. Yeah, yeah. And I found myself wanting to hang out with people that were like me in a way of, progressing the same kind of plan that I wanted. I wanted to have, you know, goals and aspirations and I wanted guys who were like that. And it was easy for me to find those friends and this is coming from the extrovert in me that were willing to talk about the things I wanted to talk about and had similar goals. Yeah. But That's I never we were all standing in the corner right. not talking to anybody. <laughs> right. <laughs> but and but as you're saying this kind of stuff like about finding friends that are going to challenge you, you know, I found, you know, two introverts here at the table that were willing to challenge me in ways that, if, that you that, sound like you found like this sort of like rare bird somewhere I, out I, in the I, forest. I, I must have. I found right? two introverts. Two introverts. Well, yeah. for me, the extrovert, right? I, I, everybody's, I mean, except for your your brother-in-law who outdoes me as far as an extrovert. Absolutely. But, but no, that's one of the things that I kind of looked at like, hey, you know, as you're saying that, I guess is where it's actually coming to light now. Like, wow, I did find people that are challenging me in ways that I would not have originally expected, right? Mm -hmm. I think that's a good thing. And one of the other things that I, I, I kind of want to go into next is, and this is kind of going off script, so I may get cut, but you know, one of the things we talked about before was- <laughs> well, you edit it, so you yeah, have the choice. Yeah, that's a good point. Right? I, I, that's, that's true. One of the things we talked about before is, is some of the challenges, some of the things that we had to overcome, right? And I think one of the things we talked about in the in the last episode was was modeling this behavior, how I've mm -hmm. never seen my dad and his friends besides maybe once or twice, you know, in the front yard, wave to each other and talk right. about the pickup trucks or something. But I think- now that I'm a father of three boys and I'm trying to raise, you know, mm -hmm. I'll say men of God, how do I model these friendships now for them? Right. Mm -hmm. How do right. I show them that this is how you have meaningful relationships with, with other men? Well, I think there's there's a level of uh, both intentionality that comes through uh, verbal communication mm -hmm. and through physical modeling of time. Here's what I mean. There's there's very few people in my circle. Right that I allow my kids, in fact, I refer to them as Uncle Paul, Uncle Kevin, Uncle Joe, you right. know, that sort of thing. Right. And they're not Uncle Paul, right. Uncle Joe, or Uncle Kevin. He had uh, my. We have an Uncle Paul, right? It, right. They refer to him as different <laughs> Uncle yeah, Paul, yeah, yeah. actually, right? <laughs> um, why do I do that? I, I do that specifically because giving them that name mm. shows value, right? Oh, they're they're yeah. more than there, and they matter. And, and actually, this is from my wife, because in general— not always, but in general, women tend to be more natural at relationship building right. than, than men tend to be. And so my wife has always been very, very um, strategic about this fact. She's, she's a high school teacher, John. You guys work together, actually. Yep. And um, knowing that when kids get a certain age, they are going to talk, no matter how great of a relationship they have with their parents, less with their parents. Mm. And if you don't create good other people, adult role models— for them to talk to, right. they're going to talk to somebody, yeah. Yeah. right? And so how do you make them comfortable? So the people that I bring into my house that I refer in that matter, that gives my kids number one, number two, hey, these are safe like people. That. These are good people. These are that. But modeling also as well is that 
this is an interesting tension I'm about to bring up. I think there are some men that run away from their families all the time for selfish reasons. Yeah, right. I'm going to go run in. I'm going to go this and go to that, right? I have the opposite problem. I have extreme guilt when I step away from my family. Mm-hmm. And that's my own junk. It's some background that I have that the God's helped me work through. My wife's helped me say, look, when you go away to do something, you tell your kids intentionally this is why you're doing it, and this is why it matters. So I've got the beginning of May, a weekend coming up, where I'm going to go and be out of town. I'm taking time off work. I won't preach on Sunday, and I'm going to spend time with these two guys. Why? Because this matters, right? And in the same way that we would say, hopefully, in our marriages. So this little plug for Strong Towers has nothing to do with male relationship. Guys, if you are married, you should take a weekend or a week every year just your spouse. And yep. tell your kids, and I don't mean this negatively, they can suck it up for the week with grandma. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Or pay for someone in. Right. Why? Because when we do this with our kids, I'm glad that they miss us, but that we say why. We say because this is the most important relationship God's given us on this earth. And the better I am with Kathy, and Kathy's better with me, the better we are with you. Right. Like right. That. And I think there's some value in the same with men, right? But we've got to be careful as men because men can often use that as escapism. Yeah. For sure. So yep. you, we got to identify that. But see, if you have those other guys in your life, they can call you out on that. Like, ah, Brian, <laughs> you weren't doing that because you're developing male friendships. You're doing that because you just wanted to not deal with whatever <laughs> you wanted to not deal with. Right. Yeah. Right. Yep. Um, so I think there's some physical things there that you do. And then you tell your kids, you, you tell your kids. So uh, I, I have uh, every Thursday, I have a meeting with one guy or another. In fact, right before we just started recording the podcast, a guy hit me up and said, hey, I, I can't I can't make it tomorrow morning. I was like, ah, oh, bummer, right? But I tell my kids, I take that Thursday morning breakfast and I tell them because, and then I tell them for this reason, because dad needs to meet with his friend and talk and we talk about things that are important to us that guys need to talk about. And I frame it differently each time. But it opens up a conversation, you know, my youngest son, I only have one son actually, so my son, who's nine, right, even whether he grasps it or not, me modeling that Mm -hmm. later on I think is important and me actually telling them. So, like, for example, when you guys are taking out time to to do a podcast or you're taking out time to do this sort of stuff, I would tell, if you have kids, I would tell your kids, this is why I'm doing it. Mm -hmm. I'm doing this. And so you're verbally reinforcing that because since it's never been modeled in most cases – they're going to fill in that blank with whatever they're going to fill it in with. Yep, and so right. it's up to us good. to do that. So those are some things. So if you've got, you know, if you've got people in your life, right? So uh, you got three boys. Yep. I'm not saying you should do this. If I were you, you know, and this would be, you know, Uncle John and Uncle Tom. Yeah. But they would know that name isn't everybody. Right. right? This isn't no, Uncle exactly. Brian. They right. don't, I mean, we're friends, but we're not that level friends. Right. right. That, that's close. And it creates that. So later on when your boys are older and they just for some reason don't feel like they can talk to you or here's the other thing. God help you. If you birth an introvert, Mm. (laughs) (laughs) right? Yeah. Right. I have a daughter who's an introvert and I have a wife who is an extreme extrovert. Mm -hmm. Right. There are just some things. It's not that my daughter can't, doesn't want to talk to her mother about her mother just doesn't get right. So what's the deal is, is my daughter either left with talking to her father, which is going to miss something than a female side Mm -hmm. or not get, no, the, the solution is, having other people. I like that. Yeah. And, and I, I think those are some of the ways that I would encourage just really practically to do it. And that, and then uh, my, my son isn't, my friends do this. I've not done this yet with my friends because I happen to have the youngest boy. They take them away with their sons. 
right? And so it would be a totally fine thing right. to say, go. And even if you got someone in your circle, John doesn't have kids yet, doesn't have kids, doesn't mean Uncle John doesn't get to go, right? Right. It just means, hey, this we're here, we're hanging out, and it's just as cool with Uncle John to be hanging out with Aiden, Tom, your son, as yep. it is with hanging out with you. That's part of it. And I like, like I think when you do some of those, it helps kind of model that in that way. Yeah, so. that's all good. So, John, what time are you picking up my kids? <laughs> I, I mean, whenever you want, because I'm really good at giving people's kids back to them. After right. I hear so. there's a really good seat on the back of your motorcycle for a three-year-old. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, sure. I think there there's go. a child seat there. Nice. At least a strap. You know, it's fine. So I think we actually got somewhere in the direction of closure, or at least we stopped just rehashing problems. Yeah, at least it wasn't gloomy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So I think we're gonna call this good for now. Um, we do I like have that good for now. Good it means for now. It's progress. There, there's a lot. That would of be progress. like if you guys started a second podcast. It could be called Good for Just Now. Call it Good for Now. Good for now. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I like that. I like that. So yeah, Good for Now. There is still a couple more voices we're going to bring into this conversation. We plugged it a couple of times. We're gonna get our wives around the mics at some point and get their perspective on what friendships have meant to the family, to them, to the kids, because of the time that we've invested in each other. At the same time though, Brian, I can't thank you enough, one, for just being our friend and spending your time with us this afternoon in the midst of all the things that we all have going on. Yeah. Uh, this was a blast, yeah, I enjoyed it. For sure. And so again, thank you for being with us. Thank you for being on this journey with us because you know things are good for now, but there is, there is definitely more to come. So as always, we want to hear from you, uh, even as you hear from us. So head over to strong-towers.com, leave us a comment, DM us on Instagram, stay plugged in. We love expanding this conversation to incorporate all the stories of all the guys that are following along with us in this. Uh, so until the next time, this is John, Tom, and Mike with our friend Brian. Thanks for being with us at Strong Towers. We'll see you next time.